Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I hope you are having a wonderful day no matter how you found the show and wherever you're listening. I created Wellness and Wanderlust about a year ago as a place for us to learn new ways to live happier and healthier lives. We've heard from a lot of incredible experts over the past year, and I've been learning a ton right alongside each of you. A couple of weeks ago on the show, I did mention that I'd be going live on my Instagram for my friend Haley Hayhurst's coffee chat series. So if you missed the coffee chat and would like to check it out, it's now posted on my Instagram feed as well. I know that we were operating out of Pacific time. A lot of listeners are in Eastern time. So I wanted to be able to share that in one place, you know, that you could watch back at any time on demand. Haley and I talk about self-care versus hustle culture and how we can create boundaries for ourselves while still finding success in our careers and businesses. So if you want to watch, I've linked it in the show notes, or you can just go directly to my Instagram feed. That's wellness and wanderlust blog. And I hope you check it out. Let me know what you think and any tips that you might have. I am so excited for you to meet this week's guest. We are chatting with Carrie Leskowitz, an interior designer and life coach and author of the new book, Ohm for the Home, a holistic approach to interior design for your overall well-being, body, mind, and spirit. I just love the title. I think Ohm for the Home, it describes exactly what the book is about, and it's such a cool play on words. So in our conversation, Carrie shares how our living space can play a role in our overall wellness. We talk about how you can improve the energy of a room, Carrie's core pillars of wellness, the most common limiting beliefs and how to overcome them and how they manifest themselves in our homes, and how we can get rid of both physical and emotional clutter. We can all take away practical tips from this conversation, and I know you're really going to enjoy it. So without further ado, let's hear from Carrie Leskowitz. Hi, Carrie. Thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust today. Hi, Valerie. Thanks for having me. Well, it is such a pleasure to have you on the show. Before we really dive in, why don't you tell our listeners a little about yourself? I am an interior designer who became a life coach about five years ago. And excuse me if my voice sounds a little hoarse. And I was working and coaching. I found a language between people's homes as I was in them, helping them decorate, and maybe something that was going on externally or internally, because everything begins within, in their lives, and how that was mirrored or reflected in their home and vice versa. So as I was decorating for people, I was also able to coach them and that sort of turned into, they were having an experience of not only a transformation in their living space, but if I saw something that we could coach around, they had the added benefit of maybe getting a transformation of their heart or their mind. That is truly inspiring. And I can say firsthand, I know that there is so much in my home that reflects who I am, you know, positively and negatively and some of the life challenges I've had as well. I'd love to know how, how exactly do our homes reflect us? You know, again, I say there's that component, the inner versus the outer. And it kind of happened organically that I just started discovering it. You become intimate with people 
when you're in their homes decorating for them and you get to know family members. So after I was life coaching, I really had a language when I started seeing things like, for example, one of the women I was working with, this happened early on and this was kind of the, this was like my aha moment where I thought, oh, there's something here. And I kept looking for examples. Um, She brought me in to decorate her kid's playroom. It was right off the kitchen and you almost had to walk through it to get to the living room. I guess it was a dining room at one time. And, you know, it was just strewn with costumes and there was all kinds of things going on and toys and mismatched parts and a futon and a TV and, you know, a Mm. little table and chairs, you know, exactly what you'd expect from a messy playroom. And, you know, we talked a little bit about her ideas and how we wanted the room to function, but inevitably a client will take me through their house. And we were walking up the steps into her bedroom and she was telling me that she wanted to do something now that her youngest was going off to preschool and maybe she'd write a book and maybe she'd bring mindfulness into the schools and maybe she would learn code And she had like all these big ideas. And I said, you know, you're like, mine sounds like the playroom, (laughs) like way too much multitasking. And she's like, oh my God, you know, that's so interesting. So we kind of played with that. And as she was cleaning and decluttering the playroom in order for us to do built-ins and have zones for everything and clean out the closet and get rid of the costumes that didn't fit and the toys that didn't have parts. I said, I really want you to think about, like give yourself a one-year plan, a five-year plan. Think about what would fulfill you now, what you could do later. Like how did you want the coming year to look? Similar to how did you want the playroom to look? How did you want it to function? And so we kind of worked hand in hand. And she decided that she could write the book immediately because that was in her wheelhouse. She would love to learn code and maybe that could be her five-year plan, but she could let go of the mindfulness, bringing that into schools, maybe leave that for somebody else. And so while we were cleaning the playroom, we decided to take the futon out and the TV and just have it be a playroom and an arts and crafts room. So it was the decluttering of all of the thoughts in her head while simultaneously decluttering the playroom and making it really clear how it was going to function. (laughs) And from there, I just was so fascinated. I kept looking for examples and I kept finding them, which led me to the book that I just wrote. Well, your book is incredible, and we're definitely going to get more into that as well. As far as that clutter goes, I think that's something that so many of us struggle with. Maybe we've noticed it more being Mm -hmm. at home a lot more over the last however long it's been at this point. But, you know, I know that 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 clutter could be physical and emotional. I find personally that my clutter is much worse when I'm overwhelmed at work and when I have a lot going on, maybe personally. And I'll even make the, the joke sometimes that if I don't make my bed in the morning, it's not going to be a great day. And with that clutter, I think that probably the majority of us struggle with in some way or another. How can we clear that physically and emotionally? Like they tie in so closely together, but what can we do to really to deal with that? Yeah, they really do. And you're not alone in feeling this way. I mean, science is showing it. This is really being studied now. 
And the more you take care of your home and your living space, the more you are apt to take care of yourself and your physical and emotional needs and vice versa. So the energy in our home and in our mind is crucial to keep it clear and uncluttered. So I tell people when they're looking for suggestions about how to clear physical or mental clutter, thereby improving energy, like in your home, open windows, let the air in. Anytime you kind of are moving energy around, open your shades or your blinds. Some people really like never open their blinds and having light, natural light is great. Artificial light is okay if you don't have the natural light, but really just bringing a lot of light in. There's so many studies about our sleep-wake cycles, and if we can get attuned to our circadian rhythm. Sometimes if you've been sick or you've had a negative experience, I do this now all the time, I sage. You know, Mm -hmm. it really sort of brings in the positive energy and gets rid of the negative energy, and it just feels like like a clean, fresh start. Mm -hmm. Um, You can even do like simple things like clap or sing or play music. Sometimes if I'm feeling kind of yucky, like I'll just run around, (laughs) I'll just run around my house, like clapping in different corners. My (laughs) husband's like, what do you, like now he knows, but he's like, what are you doing? I'm just like, I'm changing the energy. (laughs) You can add plants. I mean, plants are like happiness in a little pot, um, bringing in that life. And the greenery, it's good feng shui, and some plants are really good for air quality. So there's like a two for there. Anything really that inspires you, I really tell people to look at the thoughts in their head. And if you're having, you know, sometimes we get into that monkey mind loop. So being aware, that's really the first step to anything is being aware, having awareness, and stopping things in their tracks before they start to overwhelm you. So those are all really good ways to kind of take control of the situation. I think those are some really great tips. I think that having plants has made such a day. They they just make you smile when you see them. They really do. Yeah. I can't have pets at this point, although I would like to. And having the plants, I mean, it's it's so nice to see them. They really do. Even though they're small, you know, I live in an apartment. I can't fit anything too giant, but having them there, it, it brings me joy. It probably does impact my air quality some, and I think that's a, just an added bonus. But having that, and I do notice that I, I had one summer where I was interning at a company that one of the lights was broken and there were no windows in the office that I worked in. And I felt like I had the seasonal affect disorder because I was there 8.30 to 5 every day for the summertime. And I would beg to get outside. But having that natural light when I got home was like therapy to me. Oh, yeah. And you feel it like you don't see energy, but you feel it. And you feel if you're like not in balance. I have a 30-year-old son and he's completely unaware of any of this. But he said he was so depressed in this office that he sat in and he hated it and he couldn't wait to leave. He had to quit the job. And I think part of it, when I started digging down and finding out what was going on with him, I think part of the problem that he didn't recognize was he was in an office and it was like cinder blocks, like four Mm. walls of cinder blocks. And you know, we discussed it and he's like, oh my God. Yeah. I think like I didn't see sun all day and I was so claustrophobic. So it really, uh, you know, you feel it, 
even if you can't always necessarily verbalize it because you're not Mm. aware enough yet. That makes a lot of sense. And I'd love to know too, we spend like a third of our lives in the office or at work, at least those of us that are going back in person these days. And a lot of times in an office setting, maybe you don't have the control over the space. And I'd love to light some sage in my area, but I think our facilities team might frown upon it. Do you have any advice for improving the energy, you know, in a workplace or somewhere that you don't have the same level of control? Well, first of all, and I've taken to using this and it's like genius, do like a DIY spray or you can buy sage spray now or Palo Alto. Mm-hmm. I have set off several fire alarms <laughs> because those sage sticks produce a lot of smoke. So mm-hmm. I started misting. So you can do that in an office setting and people will just notice that maybe it smells nice, hopefully. Um, so you can, even if you're like in a little cuticle, uh, cuticle, <laughs> cubicle, you know, you only have control of that. So that's why people decorate their cubicles and they have their photos and things that bring them joy, colors, anything, a plant, even like those little bamboo plants that don't even need sun, like just things that make you happy, things that create some good energy in your small space. And yeah, do like a little spray. And if you can, like be near a window, be near a door. That makes a lot of sense. I I hadn't even, I didn't even realize that there were sage sprays out there, but that's something I would like to do because I know in, in an apartment building, sometimes it can be a little bit sensitive. Oh yeah. Definitely to be able to, to do that and to kind of clear some energy here as well as I move through different stages as well. So I, I really think that's great advice, especially when you really don't have the same level of control that you would in your home or in a home that you own necessarily. So I, I absolutely love that. Talk to me a little bit about your book and what readers can expect to find and some of the tips and stories that you kind of get into, just kind of an overview. So I came to writing the book because I was designing and I was coaching and always right with the world until I started not to feel good. And then I really just got sicker and sicker. Um, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, but for a bit, it kicked my ass. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't work. I couldn't deal with the stress. I could barely walk. And I was home and I was miserable. And I said, what can I do? This is always, I come back to like, what do you have control over? What can I do to be creative and feel productive? And like, I'm not just laying in bed. So I said, I can write a book. I'll, you know, like out of the clear blue. And I'll talk about this because now I'm so passionate about this combination. And I don't think people are really discussing what I believe, which is your living space is another pillar of health. So I started writing the book and it was so cathartic. And it did, I began before the pandemic, but it took me through the pandemic, which was also really helpful. So I just started talking about how our inner space mirrors our outer space and vice versa. I began with my own journey of healing. I sprinkled in case studies of clients who I worked with who, you know, we were able to identify that this in fact, you know, is true. And it's really sort of there's several overarching themes. One is about the importance of designing for your authentic self. You know, I think if your home fills you with joy, then that's sustainable. 
and how do you design for your authenticity if you don't know who your authentic self is? So I start talking about awareness. Now I'm sort of coming at it with a life coach approach. I'm asking you questions. I'm challenging you. I'm making you think, who are you? What are your values? What are your passions? What are your pain points? Um, What do you stand for? Just kind of all kinds of thought-provoking questions. And then I explain everything is energy. And while I was going through my health journey, I was learning that autoimmune disease, you know, it takes years and years till you get to the point that I was. And I had seen some red flags along the way, but I was doing a lot of research around gut health and your microbiome and the importance of balance in your microbiome, the importance of balance in your mind-body connection. And I immediately realized it's not dissimilar to needing balance in your home, which is what feng shui is all about. So I had to talk about that. You can't talk about balance and energy without talking about feng shui. So you really want everything to be in balance, our mind, our body, our spirit, and our space. And I talk about crystals and reducing toxins. But what I was so interested in, and it's it's a small part of the book, Um, And not necessarily like the physical clutter, because we've all heard about it. We all know about it. We all declutter. We were decluttering during the pandemic. A lot of us are familiar with Marie Kondo and the Mm -hmm. Japanese magical art of tidying up. I know Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that right. But what's the root cause of all of that? That's what interested me. Like, what's the root cause of my autoimmune disease? If people have clutter and they don't get to the root cause of how the clutter came about, they can clean up and organize, but it will come back. Mm -hmm. So that's where the mental component came in. Let's talk about that. Let's look at that. And if we can get to the root cause of whatever is creating the clutter or the toxic thoughts in your head or, you know, a myriad of things, then we can dissolve it and move on and heal in that way. I think that makes a lot of sense because our our stuff holds such a power over us in such a way. It's a way that I didn't really understand, but how emotional we get sometimes parting with things. I've watched a little bit of the show Hoarders and, Mm -hmm. you know, they bring in psychologists to work with people because there is so much emotion tied to it. And it's if it were as simple as let's throw this out, we don't need it, then I think a lot more people would have a clutter-free space, but there's just so much more to it. And I've certainly been one of those people who has had the clutter slowly come back. I thankfully now at least know where everything is, even if it's not where it's you know supposed to be for me, but it's still de- definitely something that I know I'm working through. And I see that so many people go through you know, multiple spring cleanings, I think, in the year. Yes. People don't even call it spring cleaning anymore, I don't think. They're just doing it all year long. And I also just want to say that, like, you know, we all talk about clutter, but sometimes it's just as simple as, and I'll give you an example, of a pile or a box that you can't get through. Some people might not even identify this as clutter, but as an example, I use this, and this is me. This was something that I discovered. I'm in a home and I've been here for many, many years. And now with my second husband who insisted on moving in and I wanted Mm -hmm. to move, 
that's also in the book. But I walk in through my kitchen door and I was walking in and all of a sudden we get our mail and we put it down on the kitchen counter. It's just mail. It's just a pile of mail. But I walked in and I saw that pile of mail and in my mind, it went back to things that were instilled in me, beliefs or thoughts. And I was like, oh my God, bills. There's so many bills. How are we going to pay the bills? Lack, lack, lack. So it was a trigger for me. And when I realized that this pile of mail was a trigger, I knew that that was a sign that I had some work to do around money energy, which is really Mm -hmm. all it is, and clear that up. And I asked my husband, let's find a new place for it. But that was a sign. So if there's something that that you notice is triggering you or feels heavy or there's an area of dissatisfaction, it's something to look at. And it might not be like something we would define as clutter, but nonetheless, it is. I can completely relate to that with my pile going on right now on the Mm -hmm. counter. But I also remember reading in the book about a woman who you refer to as being always in her closet, I think figuratively and literally she's in there reorganizing all the time. And I could so relate to that. And, you know, having some of those things that we can't let go of because we're tied to a certain part of our life, or I am certainly someone who has trouble taking a clean break and letting go of things. And it's something that I, I see. It's so funny in my family. I see, um, I have some relatives that are really good about throwing it out and we're done. We don't need it. And the others who keep things for years and years that are not serving any purpose or bringing us any joy, but you almost feel that you're owned by your things and just the whole metaphor and reality of being in your closet all the time. I I thought that was so powerful and eye-opening for me personally. Yeah, it's still energy. So I don't tell people they have to like get rid of everything and they have to Mm -hmm. have a pristine closet, but does it represent where you are now or what you aspire to? The woman in the book, I had gotten to know her and we did a little coaching. So I knew that there was some trauma that she was not facing. So in an effort to take some control, she kept saying she was like, you know, in her closet. But she just kept moving stuff from closet to closet. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't leaving the house. (laughs) It wasn't leaving the closet. And we can hold on to things, but I would say take it out of the closet, put it in a box. You know, if you don't look at it in a year, you don't open the box, then get rid of it. Like you can do things in baby steps, but address what it is that makes you feel like you need to hold on to this. I really love that. That's advice that I think I'm going to take personally because, I, you know, and, and again, I think that's something that so many of us face, especially I think clothing is something where you maybe want to be tied to that part of your past or maybe it was a happier time or, but it, it's not really what you aspire to. It's a completely different age. It's a different life stage. It's not a life stage you're really planning to go back to. Right. And it's seemingly harmless, but then you walk into your closet And there's that energy or the memory of the time you had the corporate job or, Mm -hmm. you know, the outfit you wore on your first date. And then like every woman I know, oh, I was 10 pounds lighter. Oh, I was Mm -hmm. younger. You know, so it just brings stuff up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But simultaneously, I will say that sometimes I think of our home also as like a living vision board and we can manifest things. 
So there was a woman I worked with and she was newly divorced and, you know, she wanted to start dating again and she brought very little from her old house and, you know, we downsized her. And I said, well, what do you want to do? Bring those clothes in. They fit her and, you know, they were of the present moment, but she got a couple of cute outfits for dates and she wanted to go skiing. So we hung a ski outfit in there. So it was helping her manifest it because now this energy was very positive. So she was putting it out there that these were the clothes she wanted to wear for her new life. So it goes both ways. You always want to sort of generate the positive energy and let go of the negative energy. I love that. And I I really do think, I mean, they say so often to dress for the job you want. And I think Mm -hmm. on a grander scale, not just for career, but for the life that you want in that particular case. And even just holding on to those things, even if you do have maybe some of the things that you are trying to manifest in your closet, you may not be able to find them. Right. (laughs) That's a problem too. Yeah. That brings a whole different energy into the day of, oh my goodness, all this stuff doesn't fit because the thing that that I'm actually trying to bring in is stuff. Yeah. That might be a red flag. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So your your work as a life coach definitely ties into that experience as, as an interior designer. And I think, I think that's so cool. You talk about core pillars of wellness in the book, and I'd love to know a little bit more about what those are and how we can bring those into our lives. You know, most people, when they think about core pillars of wellness, my book is really like a holistic approach or a life coach approach to connecting your mind, body, and spirit to your living space. And when most people hear about pillars of wellness, they think of your mental well-being, your eating well, good nutrition, getting sleep, meditation, you know, going inward and, and having a clean, bright, happy environment. All totally true, totally important. But in the book, because I'm trying to keep connecting what we need to give ourselves in order to maybe clear up limiting beliefs or have integrity in ourselves so we can have integrity in our space. I talk about, you know, my core principles or pillars of wellness, and I take the C, the O, the R, and the E, and I've linked the C to connectivity. Everything is connected, our mind, our body, our spirit, our living space. And like I explained a little while ago, you know, having that balance, having the balance in your body, having the balance in your mind. So you're not having all those toxic thoughts on a loop or self-criticism or toxic relationships. Like you have enough self-worth and awareness that you're only doing what you know is best for you. And then also having your home in balance. The O represents observation or awareness which is the first step to transformation. When you have self-awareness, it allows you to see where you're behaving, what you're thinking, and is it in alignment with your higher self? And if we get out of balance, and we all do, um, you know, life can be stressful. We've all just been through something kind of unimaginable. (laughs) Um, Awareness will bring us back to like center, And then we might get out of balance again, but we'll stop and we'll say, wait a minute, what's going on in my brain right now? And this doesn't feel good for me. You know, my thoughts are racing or starting to feel anxious or my house is getting a little messier than I would like, or, 
things are broken and I'm not addressing them. You just have the awareness now because you've taught yourself that you can say, okay, I see something here and I need to address it. I need to fix the leaky faucet or clean my windows because they're like the eyes of my house and you want to see in and have good energy radiating. R is responsibility. And it's really, we're all just responsible for ourselves We can only control ourselves. We can only control what we can control. So we have to be very careful about the choices that we make for ourselves. We can choose to behave in a certain way. We can choose to allow certain people into our lives or not. So it's really just about having the wherewithal to know what we need, mind, body, spirit, space, and then giving that to ourselves. And the E is for energy. And as I said, everything is energy. We can't see it, but we can feel it. So when we start doing some of this work and we create like a good mind-body connection, we will start to feel where we need to address these things, physical matter, mental chatter. It's all like the way we vibrate and we want to vibrate, you know, as high as we can. And we put it out into the universe and it's like the law of attraction. What we put out, we get back. So we want to put out the best energy that we can, so we will attract that back. Instead of that saying, um, what we resist persists, we don't want to dwell on something that we won or that's not happening for us or that's, you know, negative, because that will just keep showing up. So if we realize it and identify it, we can kind of squelch it. So that's what I'm calling like the core principles of my for the home. I love that name, first of all. (laughs) I just think it's so fitting. It's funny. I had the name like longer than I even thought I was going to write a book. I don't know. It came to me one day. And I love that the OM, the OM, is in the middle of home because it's just such a good metaphor. And I really wanted to talk about our bodies and our, our inner space. So that was just a beautiful metaphor. I went to a writing retreat with Jack Canfield. This was before the pandemic. And it was an amazing retreat. We went to his house and we had dinner and he coached us. And, you know, Jack Canfield wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. And then Mm -hmm. like a hundred books after that. And he's like, I don't like the name. I'm like, really? You don't? I said, I love it. He's like, I would change it. But then later he said, Your title should give you goosebumps. And I said, you know what? It gives me goosebumps. So I didn't listen to Jack Canfield, and that's what I named my book. And I'm so glad I did. (laughs) Well, it gives me goosebumps. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you just have to listen to your own gut. Exactly. I I just think it's so fitting and it it perfectly represents what the book is about. And, you know, you you talk about the self-limiting beliefs. I think that those play such a role in every area of our lives, physical, emotional, and definitely our homes. As you're working with clients, what, what are some of the common limiting beliefs that you're seeing manifesting themselves in our living spaces? I think the two most common are I'm not enough in some Mm -hmm. form or another, and money, Mm. which, you know, are interesting because they're my limiting beliefs too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I had to work on that. So they're kind of universal. You know, everybody wants more money. 
And it's really just energy. And what kind of energy are we giving these things? And of course, we're all enough. We may have been taught that. We may have had experiences that kind of ingrained that feeling in us. But our house can express worthiness if we keep it in good condition and we make sure that we only bring things in that we love and enjoy and that are useful. And if we're sort of pristine with our home, I think that we're hopefully, when we have awareness, pristine with ourselves. Several years ago, I uninvited somebody to my house because I didn't like her energy. And she just was like really nasty and negative. And I was having people over and I just thought, you know what? I don't want that energy in my home. And I didn't believe that I needed to have it in my home. And people think that, you know, out of obligation, they need to do certain things. They need to be with certain people. And I say, no, you don't. What's good for you? What is your internal, like mind-body connection telling you? Does something feel heavy or does something feel light? Does something bring you pain or frustration or does it bring you joy? And I made that decision and I was glad that I did. So... That's something to think about because a lot of people think, oh, they have to do things that they don't like, but sometimes they don't have to. It's funny that you mentioned that because I just I just saw a friend today posting on social media about curating your life. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so often that we think about curating a space, but really about bringing in the people that are good for us, that that bring us joy, that, that we really enjoy being around that we care about. But also even, I mean, you think about physical health and not putting junk into our bodies, not treating ourselves as a trash can, for example, you know, maybe indulging in in what we really love and what is quality for us. It may not be the healthiest, but not eating the junk food out of whatever feeling of lack that we might have. I think that it just ties into so many areas of our lives to, to bring in that quality and really focusing on what is actually bringing us joy versus the overconsumption. I think that that you talk about in the book, I think it does usually represent you know, a bigger problem. Yeah, and I love the word curation. I think a well-curated life is such a gift, mm-hmm. you know, but I think it takes a certain amount of boldness to be able to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, certainly putting some of those boundaries in place for ourselves and the people around us, which is incredibly hard to do. That's something I certainly struggle with. And the same thing to be able to do that in our homes as well. Yeah, yeah, really important. So I'm here to spread the message so people will walk around and look at their house with fresh eyes. I love that because I think so often, you know, we spend so much time in the last year and a half at this point, uh, maybe even a little bit longer. We've spent so much more time at home than usual, and you want it to be that sanctuary and that safe place, but I think sometimes it can feel I have one room in my apartment where I really do feel a heavy feeling in my chest because it's kind of the catch all room. There you go. (laughs) And certainly to have that, you know, the heavy feeling on your chest and really physically feeling the clutter is, is overwhelming. And I'd love to know, because I think so many of us have discovered these places that we may have kind of tried to forget about, but now we're kind of, we notice it now or are forced to notice it now. How can we make our homes even more of a sanctuary while we're spending so much time there? 
the pandemic, the one thing that everybody was united on <laughs> was what could I do better in my home? Or how can my home function better? God forbid we end up back there. I don't think we will, but people were looking at their homes in ways that they never had. They didn't have to. They didn't have to sit and be with their home for months and months and months on end. So I get asked this question a lot. And the first thing I say is you have to have, I think it's healthy if you can, is have zones for everything and everybody. So you have your work zone, you have your sleep zone, you have your, you know, making food zone. And ideally everybody has their own space. If that can't happen, then what I saw, and I think people had some trouble with, and I get it, the stress was high. Mm -hmm. That, for example, like your kitchen table, everybody was working from home one and the kids were homeschooling. Mm -hmm. And then you pushed it down, you know, to one side and you had dinner there and, you know, you paid bills there. So I think that a healthier thing to do, um, it would have taken some work, but again, all good things do, would be to clean up the home office before you had dinner or put the arts and crafts activities away in a drawer wherever you keep it and then set the table for dinner. Like don't let all of these areas multitask, let them do one thing at a time. And then again, ideally, if everybody has their own space, I mean, even if they go to their bedrooms, like just a quiet space that everybody feels like this is my own sacred space and I have control over it. I think it was so hard, like we all felt out of control. So again, sort of harking back to talking about work, you know, if you have one small area, how can you make that feel as calming for you? I like to say incorporate like all your senses. So I think it's really important to have great smells and nice texture and have things again be clean and what you see is so crucial. So incorporate your senses, light a candle, get some flowers, put things away, make things super clean, fix things. Like I said, it's kind of not that different from my other tips. Fix things, only bring things in that spark joy, put things away that, that aren't necessary. There's an exercise I, I like to do that I tell people to do. It's in the book. Just start looking at your space as if you were a guest. Sometimes, you know, we just don't see what's been right in front of us. We don't need it. It doesn't function. It doesn't have a, per get rid of it. Sometimes just getting rid of things and having that energy be able to flow under and over and around things makes such a difference. Just move things around, move a chair, move a desk, like whatever that can help too. And then you start to see things with fresh eyes. Oh, and nature, stay close to nature bring nature in, you know, again, with the windows, take a walk. I know a lot of people sort of just took a walk during the pandemic. And if you can't do that, bring pictures of nature in because they work too. any kind of representation of nature. I love that. I, I definitely was, you know, between meetings going on little walks around the neighborhood and that made such a difference in my psyche, but I can definitely relate to having everything in the same space. And I really have no excuse. I live on my own. I have a two bedroom apartment. The guest room was going to become an office kind of never did. It actually doesn't, the, the way that the desk is set up, the light, I would be kind of backlit. It wasn't mm -hmm. the, and so the, the kitchen ended up getting the best light. And so I was kind of sacrificing 
you know, one for the other. And even though I'm an introvert, going back into the office in some ways was a little more energizing because I was getting away from that one spot and not spending the entire day there, you know, kind of just shifting things over. And um, I think even though things are a little bit more normal now, and I don't see myself working from home permanently for months on end, like I did, now is the time where I'm really thinking I'm going to still end up getting that room set up so that I can still use it in that in that way for, you know, maybe not working every single day from home, but still having kind of a designated office space because that kitchen table, I really like it to be just a kitchen table and a, right. you know, a gathering place. You know, maybe you could make a little meditation corner and you can use it mm-hmm. for meditation. But having like those zones, I think, you know, mm-hmm. you're your cooking zone, your eating zone, your work zone, your sleep zone, and keeping them separate is good for your well-being. Having said that, I do work from bed sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) but I I like it. You know, I don't do it often, but I think when you do things with intention, I don't believe anything is a hard and fast rule. I think if it makes sense for you in the moment, you're doing something with intention, then it's right for you right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Rules are more like guidelines. <laughs> <laughs> that is too funny, but it's it's true. And sometimes we need to work from bed. Exactly. Sometimes <laughs> that's what our body's telling us to do. That's balance. That's what I'm saying. You can't do it too often because that would be depressing and maybe you mm-hmm. wouldn't get any work done because then you're watching TV or whatever. But, you know, if one day you find yourself exhausted and you've been running and your body's like, I'm just tired but I have to get some work done. So you open your laptop. Nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. And it gives you a little change in scenery as well. Right. So the point is to do things with intention and don't be so hard on yourself and that there's really no hard and fast rules. I think that's really important for us to keep in mind because I think we can be so critical too when it comes to our space, especially when we're spending that time there, but to recognize it's living and breathing and we can make it serve a purpose for us at a particular time and, you know, change that over time as we need to. Right. And show ourselves some grace, you know, know what your body needs. And that all comes back to awareness and having that mind body connection and giving it to ourselves. Cause ultimately that makes us feel good. We just beat ourselves up so much. Any tips for those of us who do? Uh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> When you hear those voices in your head, you know, I I use that old adage, stop, drop, and roll. Stop the thought, because we all all hear it, and sometimes, like, my brain used to be like Hiroshima, and Mm -hmm. I would get upset about something, and then I'd pile on more, and then I was just inside, like, exploding with all the stuff that was bothering me. But now, I hear the thought, I stop the thought. I turn the thought around, which is uh, another exercise, because if we change our perception about something, we can change the thought and stop whatever it is in its tracks. But in this case, stop the thought, drop in a thought that is better, that creates less suffering, and then roll with it. Keep like reinforcing that new, healthier thought, like I'm not enough wait a minute, I am enough. Let me give myself a couple of examples of why I'm enough and how awesome I am and what I just accomplished. And then keep reinforcing that. So it all comes back to that awareness again, because when you have that, you can stop it and course correct. 
I think that's just such a powerful reminder for for everybody listening. I think we all struggle with those thoughts from time to time of I am not enough, especially I think that's something that just so many struggle with. But to I, I love that analogy of the stop, drop and roll. And I think that's something that we can all practice a little bit more of in our lives. Yep. I hope so. Well, this has been fantastic. I've learned a lot. I definitely have some spaces in the apartment that I'm planning to work on using some of the tips that you've shared. Before I let you go, I'd love to ask you a few of our rapid fire questions so the listeners can get to know you a little bit more. Okay. Wonderful. What is your top, I know we've talked about a lot of these, but what is your top wellness tip? Breath work. Breathing can completely change your energy and, and, like you can stop yourself from the racing thoughts or the anxiety. I do a lot of breath work. Any um, any resources that you recommend for those who are kind of new to that? You know, there's so many different techniques and I don't believe in any one size fits all. Mm-hmm. So I would say just like Google it, there's so many different ways to do deep breathing and there's box breathing and there's putting your tongue behind your teeth. Like there's so many different ways. So I would say just maybe Google it and start experimenting with what feels right for you. That's fantastic. And I certainly know that I've tried a few different ways and different times, different ones can be more effective for me than others. So I think that's something, yeah, worth exploring and kind of working toward. Now, where is your favorite travel destination? Aspen, Colorado. Ooh. I've been going there since I'm eight. And I just, I'm very connected to that place and my memories of being there with my family. And then I raised my kids going there and we all skied together. So we went in the winter and in the summer. And when I go to Aspen, although I've seen so many changes over the oh so many years, um, I still just, I feel my best there on the dusty trails of the mountain and hiking. It's beautiful. Definitely on my list. I I love I love being able to, especially being in Florida. We do not have elevation here. Oh, well, I'm in Florida too. Not right oh. now, but well, I just um, I was a snowbird for a couple of years. Where in Florida are you? I'm in Sanford, just north of Orlando. Oh, Boca. Oh, <laughs> before the pandemic, <laughs> something dropped into my lap, and I I spend uh, five months in Boca now. Oh, I, I absolutely love Boca. I'm I'm originally from Parkland, and so I I know Boca very well. Yeah, that's funny, but I'm normally in Philly. Oh, wonderful. Now, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? I would be a chameleon. Ooh. And I think I am a little bit. I think that stuck when my husband called me years ago because <laughs> – I, you know, I had like a lot of different looks wherever we were going. I don't know. My look kind of changed. I have difficult hair. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I learned how to like do a lot of different things with my hair. And I think that kind of is what made him say it. And I was able to like adapt easily to different things. But I like spiritually that it represents renewal um, and metaphorically like their change in color they're sensitive to mood, light, and temperature. And we think that they're changing color to camouflage where they are. And they do that because of the temperature, light, or the mood. And I don't know the science behind it. But I like that it's sort of this metaphor for you know changing your beliefs, changing your perception, and then changing your life, and you can become more colorful. 
I love that. And I think that ties so well into the interior design side of your life as well. Yeah. That, that is such a cool answer. And I don't think we've ever gotten that before. Good. <laughs> <laughs> now, if, if you could master a completely new skill, what would that be? I would love to be an actress. Maybe it's not too late. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something I always thought, oh, you know, that would be fun. Or like one of the, like a Saturday Night Live kind of skit character mm. act. Like, I don't know. I think I would love that. That would be so cool. And what is next for you on your bucket list? Um, as soon as the world opens up again, I really want to go to Morocco. Oh, yes. So that is next on my bucket list. I I would love to go there. That's That's fantastic. Yeah, the sights, the sounds, the I, I'm just it's become like a big design destination. Mm. So I finally talked my husband into it. And as soon as we can go, we will. That's amazing. I, I definitely will have to follow your <laughs> um, your itinerary and everything. It sounds like such an incredible trip and just such an adventure. Well, hopefully it will come to fruition. I, I'm sure it will. Now, I would love to know for our listeners, how can they find you and connect and how can they find your book as well? Everything is on my website, carrieleskowitzinteriors.com with links to the book and my interior design and coaching work and all my other socials, Instagram, Pinterest, um, Facebook, it's all on the website. So one-stop shop. That's perfect. I will link that in the show notes so that listeners can find you, of course. And I'm sure they will love the book as much as I did. But thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your wisdom with us today. This was a much needed conversation. Oh my God. Thank you, Valerie. I really appreciate it. It was fun. I took away so many great insights from this conversation and from Carrie's book. As I mentioned in the interview, I've always been really aware of how the state of my living space can affect my whole day and my life as a whole, and I'm really excited to try implementing some of her tips. There was actually one pile of papers I immediately got rid of after our interview, but I do think it's so important for us to remember just how much the outer can affect the inner and vice versa. Now, I'm someone who definitely deals with that very common limiting belief of I am not enough, and I really liked Carrie's stop, drop, and roll approach to help us stop those thoughts in their tracks and not let them consume us. So I have linked all of Carrie's information in the show notes, including her book, and I hope you do check it out. It was a really, really insightful book, and there were so many really great takeaways that you can practically implement in your life. As always, thank you for tuning in and for sharing a part of your day with me. And if you have a topic you'd like us to explore, don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm always available at Valerie at wellnessandwanderlust.net or via Instagram at wellnessandwanderlustblog. One of the best ways that you can support the show is by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in from. It makes a huge difference. It helps people find the show better and it only takes a few minutes out of your day. So if you find yourself tuning in from week to week, you're enjoying the show, I would love to hear your thoughts. I hope you have a wonderful day. Can't wait to see you next week.